And greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Shabbat shalom to you all. Greet one another in the chat. We are in Yeshayahu, Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel, chapter three today. And I pray that you are blessed there out in the nations. Yahweh is doing a grand work. And what I find as I go through the scriptures is that I'm consoled. I'm consoled that whatever is happening in this world that may seem so difficult, so dark, I go to the scriptures and I go, Yahweh's people have gone through through things like this before, and they've come out victorious. He is with his people. And you know, things aren't that different. Yes, we live in a modern world, but we are still the people of Yah, and we still can repent, and we can still return to Yahweh's ways, and there is always hope and restoration that is there for us when we do the repentance and come and seek him and his ways. Isaiah, Yeshayahu, the third chapter. We are going to see the judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. We see that the daughters of Zion, that they are just troublesome and stiff-necked, that they won't return. And the consequences and ramifications of that is, of course, explosive. We see the oppression and luxury that is prevalent within the society is so condemned. And that there's a whole group of people that may have the right clothes, they may drive the right wagons, they may live in the nice places in Jerusalem, and the community turns to them for help, and it's all just smoke and mirrors. They're just as destitute as the ones that are in need of help. What happens when a society turns to its leaders and those leaders are senile or little children? That is where we're at in chapter 3. So let's delve in together as we go through the scriptures. Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel. And remember, while you're here on the ministry channel, give us some thumbs up, hit that notification button, Subscribe to the ministry channel because it really helps others, of course, in the metrics. Oftentimes, people come to me from all over the world. And I go, well, how did you hear about Torah to the Tribes? And they're like, oh, I was watching something on YouTube and you guys just popped up. And I clicked on it and it was like, oh, my goodness. I've wanted to know about the Torah and the Sabbaths and the feasts and the Malkizedek. And, and it's just amazing. So, you know, help us out. Help a brother out. Help one lost sheep come back into the fold. So click that subscribe button and give us a thumbs up. Let's delve in to chapter 3. For see the master, Yahuwah Sevot. He takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the store, its support. The whole supply of lechem, bread, and the whole supply of maim, water. The mighty man and the man of war. The shofet, the judge, and the navi, the prophet, and the diviner, and the elder. The captain of fifty, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the skilled craftsman, and the expert enchanter. What's happening here? All of the good things are being removed. Everything in every aspect, 
physical, spiritual, natural, supernatural. It's all being removed. The stock and the store and its support. This is the opening chapter of, of um, the opening verse of chapter 3. You see, what we're at right here, historically, in the days of Isaiah, in Jerusalem, in Judea in particular, is that the wickedness of their society had come to such a point. And it begs the question to ask, because like I say each and every week, I love the book of Isaiah because it speaks of the past, it speaks of the future, it speaks of where we're at presently. What happens? What happens when you get to this point? Well, what point? Well, this point. Well, what point's that? When wickedness in society leads to financial subterfuge. When there's massive debt slavery. When there's internal collapse on the very horizon. Yet, people accommodate it and actually then begin to get used to it. It's like the frog in boiling water. What happens when there is rumors of wars and sides being chosen and people are waving flags for countries that they never heard of two years ago that they couldn't even pin on the map where they're at because it's all part of an agenda of subterfuge. It's all part of the debt slavery. When you're taking people's beneficial labor from them and you're attributing it and giving it to government. What happens? Well, in Judea and Jerusalem, what we see is that today, when we read this chapter, Judea and Jerusalem, they function as ciphers for Yahweh's end-time people. This is a cipher for us today. In verse 1, we see Yahuwah Sevot. And of course, I've said this so many times, but I love Yahuwah Sevot. Every time I read it in the scripture, I pause. I, I often go back into my, my um, e-sword and I look at the words and then I, I go back into the paleo. And I, I love it, Yahuwah Sevot. Because when you break that down in the Hebrew, it, the ramifications and the power and the comfort that brings to me, because it connotes his power, his authority. He is the covenant implementer. And the real trouble and the real danger that we face is from people that hate covenant or have no idea of covenant. Remember it used to be the, your word is your bond? A bond is a covenant. You know, your handshake. Your word is your bond. That's a covenant. A bond is a covenant. Yet now bonds are being traded on the open market for debt slavery. What does that tell you about covenant? What does it tell you? When you're actually being bonded from birth, through a certificate and then being traded on the open market for your whole life and you don't even realize that you have stepped into the place of a surety. That shows you that you're in a nation that has voided covenant. And when they're flying the flags of covenant violators with pride, then you know that you're in the days 
of Isaiah the prophet because he said I shall declare the end from the beginning and I'll say that every single week because it is so true but it keeps me tacking keeps me tacking like a ship captain of where one needs to go we see Yahuwah Savot, he is the covenant initiator. And that brings you into blessing and health. The covenant destroyer brings you to ruination. Verse 1, the stock and the store. The stock and the store. The stock and the store. What does this speak of? This speaks to people's livelihood, their social standing, the communal structure. Communal structure as he tumbles over his words. What would we say that is today? Democracy. Democracy, right? Isn't that democracy? It's all about our livelihood. It's all about our social standing. It's all about our community structure. You know, I'm a community organizer, therefore vote for me. This is what we call today democracy. Brethren, democracy isn't even mentioned in the Constitution. It's not even mentioned, yet our politicians are just rattling on about, this is our democracy, this is our... This isn't a blooming democracy. This is supposed to be a constitutional republic. A democracy means mob rule. 49 people vote for this, and 51 people, the majority, the mob, votes for this. Therefore, we go after the mob. That was not the way we were supposed to live. This is supposed to be a constitutional republic, and therefore democracy isn't even mentioned in the Constitution. So that should tell you that we've been taken over through subterfuge by the international bankers. That this is not the republic. We do not live in the republic. We live in the United States Corporation of corporations. It's totally different. And that is what you are being presented to. This is the ruination of a nation, just as it was with Judea and Jerusalem. Yahweh, in fact, commands us, if we really want to be Bible believers and say that we're going to do things according to the Bible, then Yahweh does actually remind us not to participate in a democracy. He says not to. In fact, well, where's that written? Well, it's actually written in Exodus, Shemot, chapter 23 and verse 2. We are not to participate in a democracy. We are not to be any party of mob rule. Thou shalt not follow the multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou yield in judgment to the opinion of the most part to stray from the truth. Pretty succinct, but we haven't followed the Torah for 200 years in this nation, so people forgot. The founding fathers knew that we weren't supposed to go after mob rule, so they set up a republic with checks and balances. But now, because the United States of America has been taken over by the United States, we now have mob rule, subterfuge, just as the priesthood was taken over by a shadow priesthood. 
just as the true prophets were taken over by shadow prophets, just as the true Talmudim disciples were taken over in Yahushua's time after his resurrection by shadow disciples that brought forth the Roman gospel of which we have all befallen to for so many years. There's always been a shadow government. There's always been shadow prophets. And there's always been a shadow priesthood. Don't be bewitched, brethren. We are living in days no different than the days of Isaiah chapter 3. It was so sad for the prophet to see the moral degeneracy that had supplanted moral integrity. So sad. Law and order breaks down and commerce rules the seas as people fall prey to society's lowest elements. Do you see that today? Everybody's falling prey to society's lowest elements rather than trying to strive for society's highest elements. Isaiah strove for the highest elements of Torah learning and holiness. You have to strive for that. But people today, they strive for the opposite. He takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the store, meaning Yahweh is removing his support. That would be a terrifying thing. We want to know that Yahweh is with us through the good and through the bad. And therefore, we have to align our lives with him to always know that his support is there. Because back in Exodus chapter 21, verse 19, Shemot 21, verse 19, is where the origin of this phrase, the stock and the store and its support, comes from. I'll read it to you. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. That's Exodus chapter 21 verse 19, meaning what? Instead of man versus man striving against one another and one being struck, that's the context of this. Remember in the Torah, if a man strove with another man and then he struck the other man and then if he couldn't rise up upon his staff and upon his stalk and have support, then there would be this consequence. But if he could, then there would be another consequence. This is about man striving with man. But here in Isaiah, what we see is instead of man versus man striving against one another and one being struck, man has chosen to strive with Yahuwah. Oh, not man against man. Oh, no, no. Now it's society, the culture from elementary school. They're training the youth to strive and go in the opposite direction of the Creator. From an early age, they've got to get them. It's not man versus man. That's bad enough. Oh, no, 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 no. When society is at the levels of chapter 3, they're training the youth to strive with their how they're created. With the Creator 
It's not man versus man. It is man with Yahuwah. And here, the consequence of that is Yahuwah has struck Judah and he has struck Jerusalem. He has removed the staff of support. He's removed his protection. He's removed his comfort. The result is they will become the opposite of healed, sick. And you wonder why so many young children are sick in the mind, are hopeless, are suicidal, they have no comfort, which is the Ruach HaKodesh, because they have been trained to strive with the Creator in the public school systems. They're bringing in everything anti-God. And the consequence of that is a broken soul. And it grieves me. Because I don't, it's not the little children, but you see it in their eyes. You see it in their behaviors. You see it in the whole system. Public or private, public or private, you have to come into the private. Because everything public is a re-education camp. Everything public will be taken. Everything in the private will be protected because it has Yahuwah's store, stock, and support. But if you're out there in the public, then you will have the consequences of that. Now is the time to restructure not only your thinking, but the way you live. Because you don't want to be out there in that public and you don't want to put your children and your grandchildren out in the public. You just don't because they're teaching them to strive with the Creator. In Psalm 23, verse 4, we see, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me, because why? Why is Yahweh with you? Psalmist, because what? The stock and the store and its support are there to comfort me. It's always been that way. There has to be a decision. You have to decide to live privately with Yahuwah and privately with Yahuwah's people. Because in the public, there is no support. It's false. It's a rug pull. It's an absolute rug pull. There's a scripture where you lean upon the stalk and it actually buckles and pierces your hand. That's living in the public. Oh yes, there's, there's unemployment, there's Medicare, there's social security. <laughs> you put too much weight on that, it will buckle and pierce your hand. Or there's another way to live. We have to prepare for what's coming, brethren, just as those that were wise and they came privately to Isaiah, Yeshayahu the prophet, privately, they were prepared for what was happening. Those that were out there in the public, they got taken captive first. 
but those that were privately in the house, in the upper rooms, in prayer and petition before Yahuwah, they realized that Yahuwah was their stock, that Yahuwah was their store, that Yahuwah was their rod and their staff, and the power of his presence would comfort them. Because they made way for Yahuwah. That's what we need to do. Verse 4. Man, I feel like I'm preaching today. And I will give children to be their rulers, and immature shall rule over them, and the people shall be oppressed, each one by another, and each one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the Zachan, the elder, and the Amcharetz, the people of the land. I love that phrase in the Hebrew, Amcharetz the people of the land against the honorable men. You see, the choices we make determine the courses of our lives. Are we camera switching today or are we stuck? And the lights are working? Superb, superb. The choices that we determine, this is the path in which we go. So we have to make good choices Yahweh gives us all freedom of choice because love cannot exist without a choice. But when people make inattentive choices, they just, you know, just go with the flow, go with the mob. They're making inattentive choices. They're not cognizant of the decisions they're actually making. They are actually, they're not free to decide the consequences. And that's what they don't realize. You make inattentive choices, you're not free to decide the consequences that come with those inattentive choices. So you should pay attention to the decisions that you make. Meaning, your life needs to be lived deliberately. You need to live an intentional life. You have one life. You need to live intentionally. I need to live intentionally. Because if you don't, if you're inattentive, then the consequences that come with that, well, that's the consequences that come with that. And there is no excuse because you don't get to decide the consequences. It's part of natural law. They will just kick in. There was a multi-billionaire Chinese businessman. I mean, he had everything that the world could imagine. I mean, multi-multi-billionaire Chinese businessman. And he decided to go on holiday with his family. And uh, I believe they were in the south of France. And uh, he had everything. He had it all. I mean, just imagine. But in an instant, even though he had everything that the world could pour on him, he took a selfie and he stood up on the edge of a cliff in the south of France with a selfie. And in an instant, even though he had everything, he was not immune 
to Yahweh's natural law. And gravity took effect. And the consequences of Yahuwah's law took effect in an instant. None of us are immune. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. In an instant, he was on an equal plane with all of Yahuwah's creation. And he lost. He lost everything. Everything in an instant. Because natural law kicked in. Sobering, isn't it? Live intentionally. Verse 4, the immature shall rule over them. Uh, the backdrop of this is Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 21. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, and thou shalt not glean the unripe fruit left behind. Afterward, it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. Because if you eat unripe fruit, it will go into your deepest attention. In the back, not appropriate, Mr. Levi Nolan. Put it away. Thank you. Hmm. We try to raise them upright. It's always a little one. See, I'm preaching it right there, and then I've got my youngest right in the back, don't I? Who is privately educated privately it's not Las Vegas son it's not Las Vegas good grief here yeah. we got a card shark in the house <laughs> Martha what are we gonna do all right we'll have to think of something <laughs> all right let me pay attention I love you son He'll be 30, he'll be looking back on these YouTubes like, oh my goodness gracious. Where was I, Levi? Do you remember what verse I was in? Oh, because you don't have your scriptures open? Now I'm picking on him. <laughs> All right, I was in verse 4. The immature, ah, there we go. The immature shall rule. Don't you think you're going to rule over me, son? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> The immature shall rule over them. Deuteronomy 24, verse 21. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, and thou shalt glean the unripe fruit left behind. I was saying, if you digest unripe fruit, it goes right into your inner parts, the deepest parts of you, and causes you to be sick. It should be left to grow to maturity and then be provided to those who have less, which is what Yahweh has. So what happens when the unripe fruit comes into leadership? What will it do to the whole society? It will make their whole society will begin to digest it and it will make them sick in the deepest parts of them, which is their behavior and their soul. Do you see that today? 
We're being led by unripe fruit or geriatrics. It's either, either way, right? But they're unqualified. Unripe fruit or overripe fruit in Biden's case. And I'm not being political. I'm apolitical because it's all corrupt. Because, like I said, I don't participate in mob rule. I don't participate. So what happens when a society is ruled by unripe fruit? It becomes sick in its deepest parts, its bowels. I mean, Biden's a shriveled prune, but that's still fruit that you shouldn't be participating of. There's unripe fruit. And I know that Biden's going a whole long way to, you know, produce other kinds of fruits. And, you know, you know, we're flying the fruits here, there and everywhere. But that's not the kind of fruit that I'm talking about. That's unripe. And it will cause society to be sick. That's a fruit agenda that I don't participate in. Judah, as with our society, was governed by either geriatrics or adolescents. And when that happens, Yahweh withdraws his spirit, and the spirit of demons overcomes them. Now, here's an interesting side note. The former advisor to President Trump, Roger Stone, claims he personally saw a literal demonic, literal demonic portal over the Biden White House. He said, it can be seen swirling like a cauldron, Stone said, adding that law enforcement from Arlington, Virginia, said Stone's claim totally checks out. There was a law enforcement agent up there from Virginia, and he said, yeah, that, that claim totally checks out. There is a demonic portal that has opened up all over the Biden White House, and you can see it, see it excuse me, swirling like a cauldron. I mean, you take that as uh, you know, how you want, but I'm just reporting that to you. Look at verse 6. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, You have clothing, be our ruler, and let this ruin be your responsibility. In that day shall he swear, saying, I am not a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Do not make me ruler of the people. What does that mean? Their wealth is an illusion. They're living hand to mouth. How many times do you see people and they've got the finest raiment on? They're driving the finest cars. And they're literally broke. Because it's all debt. Living hand to mouth. Because today they've created a society post-COVID where it's not about working a 40-hour week. I can get away with working 20 hours and uh, live in my mum's basement or live in a group home together and buy nice clothes, get them delivered right to my house. I can look the part and um, that's all that matters because I'm so busy Instagramming my lit world. But that's not reality, but that doesn't matter because I'm not going to share my reality with people because I'd rather live in a virtual reality. That's what the youth is doing. I mean, I see it every day. 
$400 jeans. And I'm like, my goodness, I could afford those and I wouldn't. You know? Trainers and pumps or whatever you call them. And you're like, my goodness. And you're like, wow. Wow. This is what we see right here. They turn to the people with the raiment. They turn to the people with all the, the looks. And then, then they say, well, I'm actually the same as you. <laughs> I've got nothing in the store either. I've got nothing saved up. Yeah, I've got no retirement. Yeah, I've got no plans. Government will take care of me. They did back in 2020. I know they'll be there for me. That's where I'm hedging my bets. Hmm. Well, that stalk will crumble and pierce your hand. That's what we see in the days of Judah. Why? Because there were adolescents in mind. Ruination, total breakdown. Out of desperation, people take hold of anyone who formerly held public office. Governors, judges, soldiers, clerks, policemen, even the postie. Oh, there's the postman. He used to hold... I remember him. He used to hold a good office. Surely, surely he can deliver me from my plight. Oh, no, it's not going to happen. They're in the same position as you. Destitution, ruination. Think about that. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? Instead of raising his hand and swearing allegiance to accept his oath of office, the person, in the context of um, chapter 3 here, he now raises his hand to say, oh, no, 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 he disavows it. had an incident this, this week where a friend of mine sent a very, very important piece of mail, lawful mail, to a district attorney, which was a charge. And the district attorney didn't want to touch it, opened the mail, saw what it was, and knew the obligations and the liabilities that would attach to him because of it and did the dishonorable thing of sealing it back up and sending it <laughs> disavowing the office it's going on today there's no honor among thieves And this is what happens when you live in a society of subterfuge. Pretty sobering if you're on the inside. And I'm on the inside. And I get to see it. I get to see it. And it's a... At first, I, I was... I, but now it's so clear. It's so clear. Ruination, total breakdown. Instead of raising his hand and swearing allegiance to accept his oath of office, the person now raises his hand to disavow it. It's interesting. By omitting the word hand, Isaiah makes the person's renunciation of his office kind of like a parody of his former acceptance of it. It's pretty cool. Collapse society, brethren, gets to a point where it's incapable of recovery. 
Have you ever looked at U.S. debt clock? I think it's 31 trillion. Is it 31 trillion now? USdebtClock.com. Verse 8. For Jerusalem is ruined. This is so inspiring, you're saying. Well, we're right, right here in these verses in this chapter. You know, these are the woes of Isaiah. These are the woes, just like the lamentations of Jeremiah. The more inspiring stuff is later on, so bear with me. I'm trying to make it as uplifting as possible. Destruction, mayhem, starvation, and oppression. No. <laughs> For Jerusalem is ruined. Oh, how fun. Jerusalem is ruined and Judah has fallen because their tongue and their doings are against Yahuwah to provoke the eyes of his glory. The look on their faces does witness against them and they display their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it. Do you see that at all today? I mean, the rainbow, brethren, the rainbow is a sign of the covenant between Yahweh and the earth. A sign of his mercy. It's a sign of his grace for crying out loud. When people treat it with contempt, and then they try and convince the publicly uneducated that it's a sign of pride, then they've lost the plot. It's because they're, they're unschooled in higher learning. No, no, no. The rainbow is a sign of a covenant between Yahweh and the earth. It's a sign of his mercy. Think about that. His mercy. The withholding of judgment justly required. It's because he loves you. Because he is compassionate that you're a sinner and he is hoping that you'll repent just like I did, just like all of us have. It's a sign of his mercy and his grace, the withholding of judgment justly deserved. And when people treat it with contempt and they try and gullibly tell you that it is a sign of pride in the streets, then surely we know we are nearing the point where Yahweh says, I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth shall be as brass saith Yahweh Sevot. I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heaven as iron. That means you will not ascend to heaven. You are cut off from his presence when he says go, it is on. And your earth will be as brass. It will be a smelting pot for you. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 19. It's coming. And it is only his mercy and his grace that is allowing you to continue on with such pride. Brass refined in fire. The proud will be judged by fire. Pride isn't something to be proud of. Pride is something to be repented of. I've been proud in my life and I have to repent of that. 
Because I want to be meek. I want to be moldable. I don't want to be proud. I want to be meek because I realize that it's always been about him and my faith. And that keeps you meek and moldable and ready for the next season to bring forth a bountiful harvest, to be a good vineyard, to grow a great fruit. That's the kind of fruit that I'm talking about. Not this sort of kind of fruit. (laughs) Yahweh keeps covenant and he will not be mocked. Yet he will judge those who mock him with fire. So watch out what kind of fruits you associate with. The further mention of Sodom implies that sodomy had become so widespread that it was flaunted openly and it shows on people's faces. Do we live in such a society? The Western socialist countries now flaunt it in an attempt to export it as Western culture to Eastern countries. And you wonder why the Islamic nations, and they're right, the Mohammedans, why they are bloodthirsty for the West. Because that's not their culture, and they will not accept it. And you saw that with the World Cup. They wouldn't let people into the, into the stands that were wearing those kind of T-shirts, the pride T-shirts. They, would, they wouldn't. And people were upset. No, it's not their culture. Don't try and import the dregs of your Western society into an Islamic culture. Better, don't try to import your Western dregs of society culture into an Abrahamic Eastern culture. Because all of the Abrahamic faiths should not tolerate such things because Abraham our father wouldn't tolerate it. Now yes, there was a family split there. And the Mohammedans come from Ishmael, not of promise. But those of us, of Israel, we come from the seed of promise, Yitzhak. In Isaac shall the nations be blessed. Which is the whole context to Galatians, but we won't go there. So I have no sympathy. Because we should be living in the righteousness of the Abrahamic faith. And that's something that Abraham got right. Because he saw it in Mesopotamia and he wasn't having any of it. Woe to their being, for they actually have brought evil upon themselves. What a concept. Really, you mean there's consequences for that kind of life? Yes, there is consequences. There is consequences. I want to talk a little bit about natural law. I want to talk a little bit about manifestation. I want to talk a little bit about attraction. Because people don't realize what you put out there, you will attract. What you say comes back to you. I want to talk a little bit about polarity. I might even touch on the law of gender. Are you allowed to say such things? Is there any such thing as gender? I'd like to talk about trans. Mutation, not the other kind of trans, transmutation. Because remember, this whole series, we're trying to make it relatable so that we can be better 
and keep ascending in self-mastery. Ascending to Yahuwah through self-mastery. So, there are laws that are in place that remain there, whether you believe in them or not. Are we clear on that? And this is where secular humanists fail to see the peril of their folly. What we manifest will determine whether we can achieve the things that we want. We need to vibrate at a certain frequency of our desired object, which of course has to be aligned with the creation. Because if we don't vibrate in a certain frequency that's in a line with Yahuwah, then we'll never re be able to receive the blessing because it doesn't actually exist. It's just imagery. It's just fakery. If we vibrate in a frequency that is against nature, then we will live a life of frustration and failures. And that's what happens with so many of these people. They live a life of frustration and failures that they then actually start turning against their own body. Because they're vibrating at a frequency that is against nature. It's cause and effect. It's the natural law. It's not my law. It's just like gravity. And you are subject to it in an instant, even if you're this or that or a multi-billion, trillion, gazillionaire. It doesn't matter because it's natural law. Secondly, we must seek for things that you can give and that you can work for. Because you cannot attract love in your life if you don't give it. You can't have friends if you're not a friend. You can't attract forgiveness if you don't give forgiveness. Forgive your enemies. Forgive those that seek to entrap you and, snap and, and set traps and snares for you. Forgive them. Because you'll get forgiveness in your life. It's the law of attraction. You can't attract love if you don't give love. You can't attract friends if you don't be a friend. You can't attract wealth if you don't give wealth. And you certainly can't attract forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive. Think about that. It's natural law. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. You know it's true. A man who isolates himself seeks his own. He's got no friends. Why? Because he's isolated himself. All right, so I will touch on the law of gender just because I can. And it's kind of part of the subject matter. And this is a real problem for the inhabitants of Sodom. The law of gender is a real problem for anyone in the vicinity of Sodom or Sodomites. It's a real problem. Why? Because you see, there are two types of spiritual energy. Male and female. Masculine energy 
and feminine energy. This law should inspire us to balance these two energies within us. When it is out of balance, then unsoundness of mind takes a hold within. Everybody has masculine and feminine energy because you came from a mother and father. But when those energies are out of balance, that is when unsoundness of mind comes into effect. So what we actually have here is unsoundness of mind today. Just because something that should be taught at school, the law of gender, balance, isn't taught. So they become so totally out of balance that then brings unsoundness. I mean, this was... The ancients knew about this. Philosophy and theology. I mean, this... But now, because people are in re-education camps, they're not teaching this. It's just common sense. You have masculine energy and feminine energy. Then you balance the two energies within you, and then you ascend into everything that Yahuwah was created you to be. But when those energies become unbalanced, you become unsound with mind, and the next thing, you're chopping off body parts. And now you're addressing the body instead of addressing the origin of the problem which is an imbalance that has affected your thinking. What a concept. We should be addressing the mind and the soul of man. Instead, we're going to the base elements, the body. The body. That's just the basis element. Why would we go to the base? Because it's all about going to the base. The base, the dregs of society. This is what was happening as they were circling the drain in Judah and Jerusalem. Do you not see it today? Having an overflow of one energy over the other is something that leads to absurdity within the mind. The balance or lack thereof between the masculine and feminine energy is the main detriment on whether we can become fully realized beings or not. It's the main determinant, sorry I said detriment, it's the main determinant of whether we can become fully realized beings or not. Meaning if you're unbalanced in those energy fields between masculine and feminine, you will never be what you were created to be because Yahweh didn't create a girl to be unbalanced. And Yahweh didn't create a boy to be unbalanced. He created them to be balanced individuals and be everything that they could be. To be the Sarah and to be the Abraham. To live full and with abundance. So, with that little rant, but this is really what was going on in chapter 3. There's actually seven, and I love the, the number seven because it's perfection. There's seven keys to this self-mastery that we've been talking about in this series. About how to become a prophet. How to get that upward trajectory of our soul rather than a downward trajectory of the soul. I'm looking at an upward trajectory of the soul, how to become a prophet for Yahuwah. So let's focus now on seven things, and we'll finish with this, seven things that will tie in with chapter 
two, of an upward trajectory of the soul. Number one, vibration. Number one, vibration. Everything has a vibration to it. Man, I feel some good vibes, right? That's right, man. Okay, whoa, wow. I got some good vibes coming from this brother, right? It's kind of like surfer language, right? I can feel the good vibes, right? It's vibration. Have you ever been around so? Oh, man, I got some bad vibes about that person. Or you go to a place geographically. We went to Chitsunita. Man, that had some bad vibes. Oh, yes, because the Mayans were down there sacrificing people. Thousands of years later, you can still feel some bad vibrations. That's where it comes from. Good vibes, bad vibes. Right? Man, I've got some bad vibes out here on this ocean because Jaws is down there for crying out loud. I'd have some bad vibes too. <laughs> if you ever want me, and if you ever want, people think, you know, oh, Matthew, you know, oh, he's got it all together. I tell you what, if you ever want to see my male and female energy become totally un unbalanced, make me watch a shark movie. You, I will scream like a girl. I mean, it. I can't help it. It's, it's, it's crazy. If I watch a shark movie, I scream like a girl. It's insane. I don't know. It just overcomes me. I can't control myself. My female energy just goes right through the roof and all masculinity's gone. I've, I blame my mother. I think she let me watch Jaws before I hit puberty. Late 70s, before I hit puberty. She let me watch Jaws. I tell you, every time I'm triggered, I turn into a big girl. That's the only time that you will ever see my masculine and female energy unbalanced. Sure. All right. Sorry, guys. Number one, the keys to self-mastery, ascending to that spiritual energy is vibration. Everything has a vibe to it. Whatever your vibration, whatever your frequency, or whatever you resonate is what you're going to draw into your life. If you have a downward energy vibration, you're going to get all these hey, depressed people and negative people you're going to draw. Right? If you're a worrier and you're, you're vibrating worrisome, you'll get all these worriers coming towards you. If you're a big vibrational gossip, you'll get all these gossipy drama people vibrating towards you. So be very careful of the energy that you vibrate or deliberately place yourself amongst people that you want to vibrate at that energy. I choose to do that. I deliberately place myself in the company of people that I want to vibrate at that energy level. I go and seek them out. And oftentimes it's uncomfortable for me because I'm not yet vibrating at that energy level, but I'm going to force myself to be in that company because I'm going to learn to bring up my energy level because I'm going to overcome the fear that would keep me down. So I always seek people that vibrate at a higher energy level than me. I've always done that. But it is uncomfortable. 
because you're upping your frequency load. You're upping your frequency load. So you have to draw. Your emotions around any part of your life are your vibration in that area. Think about it. If you're dealing with heavier feelings, your vibration then is a lot heavier and it's lower. If you're in a genuine place of higher emotions, then your vibration is higher and it's lighter. And people just, man, they just want to be around you. Wow. And so light. Yow. Number two, relativity. Relativity. Everything's relative. What a concept. If you're looking at a problem and you're hyper-focusing on that problem, then what happens? What happens when you are absolutely overtired and you so want to go to sleep? And you, you, you can't go to sleep. Or you have a speaking engagement and you go, oh, I really, obviously you can see that, you know, I haven't been practicing, that you really want to do well and you hyper-focus on it, you're going to do abysmally. But if you just like step back a little bit and let things open up and you don't hyper-focus on it and you bring in some relativity to what the big picture, then you actually perform better. You'll actually fall asleep. So this is the law of relativity. Everything's relative. Don't super-focus on a problem because then it starts to become overwhelming and then the problem magnifies See things relative to life. See things relative to the world. Keep taking steps back until you can minimize just how big a deal it seems and you maintain perspective. Relativity, that's what this world with the news is trying to do. Getting you to focus, hyper-focus on the, everything bad and negative in the world. So then you start manifesting that negativity, fear and terrible stuff because that's what they're projecting at you. Step back. Get into the Word. Get into prayer. Be with your family. Go for a walk in nature. Change your diet. Change your sleep patterns. And all of a sudden, the whole world will open up to you. That's the law of relativity. The third is cause and effect. These aren't my rules. doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not. It's like gravity. These are part of Yahweh's created order. And the people of Isaiah's day in Judea and Jerusalem, they had fallen out of alignment with these seven principles of his natural creation. And it caused what? Chaos. So the third one is cause and effect. The cause of all your problems. Everything you're dealing with. The cause of your life is what? It's thought mixed with emotion. Everything you're going through, everything I'm going through, is a consequence of cause and effect. My thinking mixed with my emotions. You empower yourself by imbalancing the horse and the rider. Remember we spoke about that? You balance the horse, emotion, with the rider, your thinking, and then you become in alignment with your life. The fourth law is polarity. Polarity. Now, this natural law, this is going to upset the left hards. It really is going to upset the left hards, but I'm sorry. 
there's the law of polarity. Everything has an opposite. There are two sides. There are two genders. You can't have up without having down. You can't have a left without having a right. And you can't have a masculine without having a feminine. And you can't have a question without an answer. I mean, what a concept. This isn't difficult stuff. But everybody's in confusion just because they don't understand or they haven't been taught the law of polarity. But when you bring it out to people, it's like, well, oh, well yeah, that does make sense. I guess you can't have an answer without a question. <laughs> I guess there can't be a, a left without a right. <laughs> Yes, and there can't be a male without a female, and there can't be more than two genders. Because this would go against the law of polarity. It doesn't exist. Only in an unbalanced mind could it exist. And then in that, I don't want to know what exists in that kind of mind, because I choose not to have my mind be that way. Because I want to ascend rather than descend into hell. It's really that simple. You can't have a burning desire for something without a way to achieve it. So make your desires align with Yahweh and you will achieve your hopes and dreams. Whatever you hope and dream for, if you align it with Yahweh, you will achieve it. Because you cannot have a burning desire for something without the way to achieve it. That's the law of polarity. The fifth law, gestation. I know you'd like to get the baby out, but you're going to have to go through the time period. I know it's uncomfortable and you can't sleep, but you don't want to rush that stuff. There is a time of gestation. It's called patience. And you have to be patient. It takes time for something to come into its full form. If you rush it, you can endanger the process. Things may move slowly in your life but they can move faster and faster as you progress in mastery or you come to the time of delivery, right? I mean, you see what I'm saying. These are natural laws of our creator and we bump into them every day, but unless we can actually have them become part of our understanding, we won't really be able to navigate these very difficult situations that we often encounter. Right? Or you won't be able to have a dialogue with somebody that is malfunctioning in their mind. But when they're malfunctioning in their mind, you may then be able to point them to just the base elements of the creation. Because they're not going to go to an in-depth Bible study with you if they're malfunctioning in a mighty way up here. But they may realign with the creation if you're merciful and kind to them. The fifth is rhythm. Rhythm. Everything has rhythm to it. 
Right, Joshua? Are you sure? Skiing, for example. Skiing. To ski successfully, you have to get in rhythm with the terrain, Joshua. You've got to get in rhythm with the terrain. You've got to be in rhythm with the space in which you inhabit. In life and anything you're working on, you're in rhythm when you're not rushing or doubting or being fearful. Then, then you're riding the slopes. Then you're riding the terrain. You're feeling things out. You're adjusting things. Have you ever been in so much of a hurry that you've dropped all of the eggs? Whereas really, if you'd have just taken the time to maybe carry less eggs and do a couple of trips, you would have saved more time. We have chickens, lots of them, and lots of eggs, and I've seen it. Overflow in the basket. What a blessing, what a bounty, instead of making a couple of trips with baskets. Rhythm. Everything has rhythm to it. We'll get you back up on the slopes, and we'll be checking out that rhythm. A couple of weeks, stitches. The seventh one, transmutation. Transmutation. Now, the transmutation period, this is where most people give up. See, I've, uh, this, this is an area that I've spent a lot of my life in. My wife will definitely attest to this. This is the ugly, sticky, messy part. And I've, man, I have met, she's, you know, now my wife, she was falling asleep, and now she's like wide awake. She's like, aha, aha. This is the ugly, messy, sticky part. The seventh law of the creator is transmutation. This is the period when things, things just, you're working on it, and it just goes adrift. You just, you're not comfortable. Feelings like, you know, man, I, I just need to give up. I need to stop. I need to go back. This is just sticky. It's just a, it's just a, what, what, a, what did I do? I've created a mess. But this is all part of transmutation. It's like a caterpillar. A caterpillar has to become a messy glob of goo, but it becomes a butterfly. And if it didn't go through that messy transmutation, it could never fly. Transmutation is a period that we have to accept. Acceptance of transmutation allows you to soar. It allows you to soar. I've gone through this in the legal realm, and it has been amazing. To be able to now be at the butterfly stage. Okay? But you have to accept the transmutation. You have to be able to accept going through the very messy and uncomfortable part because it's natural. If anything big you're trying to do in your life, you have to allow transmutation. Don't be put off by it. We spoke about this yesterday. For people that really are going to soar in life, they accept transmutation because it is the most discouraging part of life. It's the messy stuff. 
But if you accept it and work through it in your marriage, my darling wife, right? We are products of transmutation. Truly. 27 years of marital bliss. No, we've gone through a lot of transmutation. But we are truly blessed. So at least our children are butterflies. Amen. So, vibration, relativity, cause and effect, polarity, gestation, rhythm, transmutation. These are Yahweh's natural laws. Don't care. Don't care if you don't believe them. Don't care. Doesn't matter. You're still going to fall off the bloody cliff because it's called gravity. Don't care if you think there's 17 genders. Don't care. Don't care. It's called the law of polarity. Okay? Vibration. Your frequency is off. Go stick your finger in the electric socket and get rebooted. You need a reboot. Your system is about to crash. I mean, it's all very natural, isn't it, when you start looking at it like that. The problems of the world, they seem kind of foolish, don't they? Everything they're trying to fly in your face, it seems kind of foolish when you see the seven laws of creation right there. Puts everything into perspective. Verse 10, say to the righteous that it shall be well with him. If you implement vibration, relativity, cause and effect, polarity, gestation, rhythm and transmutation into your life, it will help you ascend to being well. And you shall then eat the fruit of those blessings. Meaning, if a person merits a reward for a good deed, a mitzvah, that reward in and of itself will bear fruit. It's called the compound interest of blessings. And you get to experience them, even if you go through a transmutation. What you thought was a messy glob in your life actually was the vehicle to get you to fly. The vehicle to get you to fly. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm going down to Texas next week to be around some of the greatest legal minds in the nation. I would never, ever have had that opportunity. I wouldn't have even thought that I would want to get into that kind of career, if you will, of specialty, technical understanding if I hadn't have gone through a transmutation. But because I've gone through it, now a whole new world has opened to me with exponential blessings, which I would never, ever have had the opportunity to go if I'd have given up. It's amazing stuff. Because Yahweh has a plan for our lives. If we just align ourselves with him, with his natural law, vibrating with Yahuwah at his frequency, and we will be comforted by the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm going to look at a quick glimpse of the antithesis of the last verses 13 through 26 to seek a path of the upward soul trajectory rather than the downward soul trajectory which of course was the daughters of Zion. Verse 12, the daughters of Zion, they had chosen to go astray and destroy paths. The antithesis of this is what? We need to stay in the paths of Yahuwah. Verse 14, the daughters of Zion were eaten up the vineyard and they destroyed the poor. Meaning, the antithesis of that is we need to produce a good vintage of fruit and take care of one another. Verse 15, you beat my people to pieces and shame the faces of the poor. The antithesis of that is we need to walk in honor and integrity and we need to take care of others. Verse 16, you're haughty and you walk with stretched forth necks and seductive eyes. Don't be seduced by Instagram. Walk in meekness. Like Job, make a covenant with your eyes. Job 31 verse 1. And the final verse, verse 26, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being ruined shall sit upon the ground. The antithesis of that is rejoice in Yahuwah's gates. That's where we should be. That's where the righteous sit in the gates of Yahuwah. Rise in the morning and bless Yahuwah for another day that he's given you. Focus on positive, creative visualization. Positive, creative vocalization. In prayer, in word, in deed. Set the balance and the frequency of your energy before you go out the door. And only put things into your mind and your eyes and your hearing that is going to let you become the butterfly that Yahuwah wants you to be. To ascend through the mess. There is a better way to live. And Isaiah has always been the prophet to lead us. And that's what I'm excited for. Yes, we're going to go through the transmutation period with Isaiah. The first half of the book, it's messy in places. It's sticky and it's messy in places. But when you get to the latter part of the book of Isaiah, we're a butterfly. It's full of absolute soaring heights but don't be put off through the transmutation seven things to glean for us to truly understand the prophet and self-mastery of the soul number one vibration watch out for those heavier feelings get the lighter emotions going because you'll attract that okay number two relativity don't hyper focus on something remember satan works in imagery magnification 
and projection. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, no, don't. It's relativity. Number three, cause and effect. Balance your horse, emotion, with your rider, your thinking. Get in balance. Number four, polarity. Have kingdom desires. Have kingdom desires. And Yahweh will bring those desires to fruition. That is polarity. Yahweh will give you the means to fulfill your desires when you put your desires in line with polarity. And gestation, the fifth, gestation. Sometimes you've got to through, go through the process. All of my trials that I thought were terrible, they all began with a process server. And I, I didn't know what to do. That process server and the process of transmutation that I have gone through has been the key to my next golden connections in life. And it has changed my whole life for the better in amazing abundance. It's a process. Go through it. You don't get to determine how long you'll be in the gobby glue of transmutation. But Yahweh will be with you and if you allow yourself to align with him through the process of gobby goopiness of transmutation, that's gestation. That's the process. And you will get the blessing. King David went through it. Jeremiah went through it. Isaiah went through it. And Matthew went through it. And each and every one of you will have a time in your life when you will go through it. It's what you do when you're going through it that makes all the difference. Everyone in their life will have a transmutation. Most will fight it, fear it, and give up. And they'll never become the butterfly. That's why I'm wearing this bright shirt. No, it's not. <laughs> Number six, rhythm. Man, you've got Joshua. You've got to get in rhythm with the terrain. Okay? And you also might want to adjust your din setting on your skis to be not for baby skiers. Okay? Get in the rhythm. Surf the snow. Okay? Look at the terrain. It's going to be okay. And the final one, transmutation. Embrace the discomfort. Embrace the messy parts. If you don't know how to do that, you need any help from anybody who spent a lot of time in transmutation, then I am your man. I am one sticky mother individual. Okay? Learn the process to soar to new heights. That's all I got for you today. I mean, I'm telling you, I love it. I love it. This was a great chapter for me. As you can see, I had some fun when I was, I was getting a lot of understanding and I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't actually teach this. This seems like it could be. But I did. There you have it. You know, let's see what you say in the chat. Maybe nobody's still here. Maybe they all left and I'm just teaching to a 
to you guys in here. Baruch Hashem Yahweh. We're on the fourth chapter. But I will be taking a break next week because I will be down in the great state of Texas with a great, great adventure at my hands, I hope. All right. Oh, oh I've got adverts. What's that all about? Don't want any of that. Skip the ad, shall we? All right. Oh, how do we get to the chat? Live chat. Live chat. There we go. There we go. All right. Now, it doesn't show on my phone the red lining, so I'll have to just see what you've got in here. Ah, Baruch Hashem, Shabbat Shalom. Which camera are we on, Moshe? Central, central, all right. Let's have a look. Michael, Michael, Shabbat Shalom. Mental disorder is real and putting in overtime in this day and age. Well, exactly, it's because they're going against the creator. Shabbat Shalom there, giant killer, triggered by gravity. Well, exactly, people are triggered by gravity. All right. Tennessee Rambler. Hey, Shabbat Shalom down there in Tennessee. I could do a great Tennessee accent, but I won't. A holy conscience sublimates everything. It transmutes the common affairs of life into acts of solemn worship to God. 1823 Webster's. Well, thank you. I like, I like it. A good definition. A good definition. Hey, Shell Perry. Shabbat Shalom, Shell Perry. Gravity, Matthew, gravity, gravity, gravity. Yes, Crystal Rosa, we're feeling a little triggered. We are. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm getting that now. Okay, got it, got it. Gravity. All right. All right, Debbie Hill at Matthew Nolan. Transmutation prepares us for translation. And I'll add to that transfiguration. Transfiguration. All right. Emissary of Elohim, Shabbat Shalom, good to have you, faithful, faithful warrior. The Greek, metanoia, to change, transform the mind, the Greek word for repent. Well, how about that? Jen Sperrell, hashtag gravity shamavity. <laughs> ah, it's all good in the hood. Jose Cruz, Shabbat Shalom, Jose. The Law of the Temple, Book of Ezekiel. Uh, you got some good stuff. I'm glad you guys were with me. Emissary of Elohim says, Transfiguration is the elevation by the Ruach. Well, that's exactly, that's a self-mastery again. Hmm. Breaking the Torah is the curse. Yes, Diesel Grandpa, I know, we know, they know, we all knew that you have always been a beautiful butterfly. And Carlos, you are going to look like a, a beautiful butterfly when you get those Repsol leathers, my friend, okay? All those bright colors. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Amazing. Repsol all the way. Tennessee Rambler, metamorphosis, exactly. 
Exactly, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Jen Sperrell says, butterflies know there is no such thing as gravity. Yeah, yeah, they see they've gone through the mess. They've broken through the, um, what is that? Um, huh? The Van Allen belts or something, right? <laughs> Oy, I love it. I love it. Good one, though. Thank you. You've got to hold me accountable. You really do. Giant killer. Fly like a Cadillac, sting like a Beamer. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you guys are so holy. What would we do without you? Spunky 96. The earth is giving birth to integrity and truth and respect with all means necessary. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Hallelujah. And Mark Chisel says he's a moth attracted to the light. Ha, 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 ha. Baruch Hashem, is that Chris Bagwell? That is Chris Bagwell. I wonder if it is the one and only Chris Bagwell. Is the transmutation how you kept your full head of or, or hair? Hair, hair, yes, it is. If that's Chris Bagwell from, is he in Idaho? Shabbat Shalom. Great to see you back, brother. Um, we should connect sometime. I hope you're well and I hope the family's well. You most probably have like eight children by now, I'm sure. You've been transmuting of quite a bit up there, haven't you? <laughs> There's nothing else to do, is there, in the snow of Idaho? Good grief. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Anyway, where are we? We're coming to the end of the chat. Sandy Jordan, Shabbat Shalom, Sandy Jordan. She's gone through some transmutation in her life, and we're so blessed and proud of you, Sandy. Some great, great work that Yahoo has done in your life over the few years that we've known you. It's been super, super awesome. All right, well, there's that. I could keep on going, but I won't because there's been so much chat. That's good. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. We are on Chapter 4 coming up here in two weeks, but we will have Shabbat Fellowship next week. Do we have any other groups that are going right now? Prayer, we've got Sunday night prayer, we've got Shabbat fellowship, of course, 9 o'clock in the morning, Pacific Standard Time every Shabbat. That's a great place to meet a lot of people that will be in your community and you'll see if they're in your area. And um, remember, subscribe to the ministry channel right now here on YouTube. That really helps. Give us a thumbs up. If you're watching right now, then go into the comment section and give an edifying comment something uplifting to try and connect with people. Now remember, we are always to be grounded in Yahweh's word. And though we're talking about some of these things like vibration and relativity, no, we're not getting into some abstract freaky culture. These things have always been part of Yahweh's creation. But yes, there's a bunch of voodoo out there and they take all this into the occult, whatnot. But we don't have to fear that because the origin is Yahweh's creation, okay? And if we're grounding in the, grounded in the world, word, not the world, if we're grounded in the word, then we can study and explore all things through his word 
with sensibility and sound reasoning. So let's not be how we were in the church where it was all cult-minded and, oh, that's not part of our, our um, denomination. No, this is the creation. Yahweh's creation is broad, but we know that the gate to life, that the path is narrow and small. So yes, we're going to bring that into the smallness of his word to really have it grounded. So bear with me as we explore these topics, but don't be put off because I said rhythm or transmutation or polarity or something like that. These can be, or gravity, yes. Well, I would be put off by that one too. I mean, that's just outrageous. Anyway, watch out for the fisheye cameras. That's all I've got to say when it comes to gravity. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>